0: ladies and gentlemen welcome to another episode of the nine finger chronicles podcast first and foremost i'm going to apologize the audio on this is good but it's not Great. Uh, you're going to be able to understand everything that's being said, but it's a little little tin canny, if that makes sense, like uh, you're talking into a tube, and I apologize for that. But something happened with my my quality audio, and I can't find it for some dumbass reason. So I'm sure I messed something up somewhere. But today's episode, we're going to be talking with Jeremy Dinsmore of the Antler Up podcast. And really, this conversation is all about cold fronts in early October up into the Lull time frame. Now, this is a two-part series, okay? Today, we're going to be talking with Jeremy. He is a big woods hunter. He does not have any food plots that he has access to. His the the he hunts public and then he also hunts i guess what you would call average private all right next week we're going to be talking with mark kenyon who does have food plots and access to private ground he also has hunted a lot of public across you know different parts of the united states and he's going to voice his opinion about uh cold fronts and whether or not uh they have a big impact in deer movement and so uh, this all sparked from a comment that I left and and my comment was man based off of my experience I am not I don't get excited from an early season cold front and I got murdered uh, I guess on social you know a lot of guys were like hey dude how you know how dare you say that or you know I I might be over exaggerating a little bit but a lot of people find success during the early season cold fronts, but I would argue that a majority of people do not find success hunting early season cold fronts. And so is what it is. That's what, uh, you know, What whether you're in the camp of, I, I think early season cold fronts are the shit. Or you think that you know you're you're kind of on my level and you're just like, hey man, uh, yeah, early season cold fronts are awesome if you can get out and hunt, but it's not anything that I'm going out of my way to, um, you know, to try and make or change my schedule or shift, you know, PTO days from November to early season October, unless I have a deer pegged, okay. I know there's a lot of asterisks in this, but it's not that I don't believe in cold fronts because I do believe in cold fronts, just not early season cold fronts. And so this two-part series will, you know, conversations with people who agree and disagree, and and basically it's, a, it's just a really thorough conversation about cold fronts, and I hope you guys enjoy it. But before we get into today's episode, man, I'm just gonna run through real quick all of the partners of this podcast, do me a favor, go out, go visit their websites, uh, go take a look at their products and, and just let me know what you think. Is this, is this a, a piece of gear that you could fit into your, uh, strategy, into your, um, I guess, lifestyle? Is it affordable? Is it not, you know, like I want to have open conversations about the products that my partners, uh, my partners bring to the table. So I'll just run through them real quick. Uh, First, first I want to say is you got to go check out the, uh, the nine finger Chronicles hat. It's a brand new hat. Um, It's on the full sneak website so that's fullsneakgear.com that's a company that I just started and right now I'm selling hats and t-shirts as this fall progresses and I start to uh, get more revenue coming in I'm going to introduce hoodies and stocking caps and flannels and a whole bunch of other Products uh, in this basically lifestyle brand pre and post hunting clothing, right? And so uh, go check that out, fullsneakgear.com. If you're looking for a saddle, saddle hunting accessories, go check out Tethered. I mean, these guys have it all, including the knowledge base and the information that you need to become a better saddle hunter. Wasparchery.com. If you're looking for, in my opinion, some of the best broadheads. Uh, in the market wasparchery.com discount code NFC20 for 20% off Vortex Optics be sure you check out the new um, uh, Triumph HD their new youth model and then obviously take advantage of their VIP warranty if your Vortex Optics breaks or you You ruin it yourself or somebody else ruins it. You send it in. They fix it for free and send it back to you. Code Blue Sense. uh, CodeBlueSense.com. I have a discount code there as well. NFC20. Same one. NFC20. And that's going to get you 20% off. The best part about Code Blue is uh, they have all things sense scent related so if you want scent elimination products like the sprays or the laundry detergents the deodorants things like that they have those they have synthetic deer urine they have real deer urine and uh it's 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 unique on how they collect it and how they bring that to market so go to codebluescents.com, uh the woodman's pal if you're looking for a habitat tool to chop and, sm- and smash and I don't know, clear out areas. You got to go check out the Woodman's Pal. It's uh, made in America. It is very durable and uh, it's very sharp. And uh, I keep one on me uh, at all times. And then last but not least, it's that time of year to start picking up new pieces of hunting gear. And that would be Huntworth, right? Here's what Huntworth and people have said about Huntworth. Uh, They have said Huntworth is like 89 or 90 percent of the uh, the quality of the elite brands, and you know who the elite brands are, at 50% of the uh, cost. So you're getting extremely good value and functionality out of your. Um, out of out of Huntworth the cool the other cool thing is is as it starts to get to colder temperatures they have a heat boost technology in some of their clothing that you should go read up on so um, huntworthgear.com and ch- 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 that's it for the commercials. Uh, thank you very much for taking time out of your day to listen to me talk about the partners. Uh, they pay my bills and uh, I appreciate you guys listening to that. Last but not least, man, uh, if you're going to be in a tree this time of year, you have to wear a safety harness, man. You got to make sure you're doing that uh, and uh, positive energy, right? So think positive and big bucks will come your way. If it, Something like that, right? So <laughs> uh, let's get into today's uh, cold front conversation with Jeremy Dinsmore. Three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. I'm your host Dan Johnson, and today we are joined by another Sportsman's Empire content provider extraordinaire, Jeremy Dinsmore of the Antler Up podcast. What's up, man? What's going on, Dan? Not too much, man. Hey, guess how many times I've uh, been in the woods this uh, this year already? Uh, well.
1: I I could cheat and say, I haven't really seen any big posts of of, uh,
0: you in the woods. I'm going to say zero right now. That's right. (laughs) Good job, man. Um, and, uh, but the way, the way, what you just said before we started recording, that's not too far off of how many times you've been in the woods. Right. This year. Right. Okay. So we're going to start it off this way. How many hunts have you been on this year?
1: I've been in, I've hunted four times, two in Pennsylvania, two times in Maryland and, and three of the four, well, four of the four I've seen deer, which is great. Yep. Yep. My second time in my second hunt in Maryland, I had a really good 10 point, uh, come in and bust me. Basically I, it was, we had a crazy storm and I bumped a, a doe walking into the spot that I it was just off the map and walked in and saw saw the the drainage feature where she bounded off to and i kept walking because the features reminded me a lot of pa up on top was a field that was cut it was just for uh alfalfa basically it looked like and then on the ridge system it i was walking it boom found an enormous scrape i was like okay it's it's pouring right now it's going to continue to pour for another hour let's just you know, stay put for a little bit and we'll climb up. So that's what I did and where everything kind of looked at, Dan, it was my strong side was the, just a little bit thicker area. There was a trail leading out to it that led to the scrape that I found, which was to my weak side. Basically I'd call it my four o'clock in the saddle. Okay. Yeah. And to the right, to my three o'clock through all the other spots was that big drainage where that dough kind of kicked up out of and I was like, man, there's really no trail coming from that area to this scrape. I like my setup here. I think something could come from that little thicker area over the top of the ridge to hit the scrape. And if a buck does, I'm going to kill it before it gets to that scrape. So I was fixated on that. Right after it stopped raining about 6, 10, 6, 15, I, 10 minutes later, I'm fixated on that real thick, nasty stuff. I'm staring through it. I'm looking to see if I see leg movements and I'm panning to my right to make sure nothing's coming from that side. And I must've got into daze for about two minutes, just looking through that left side and then something told me to look right. And when I did, Dan, he was already about 22 yards coming through the, the thick stuff on the right where the, the fold was a little bit tough. I, at that point I, I'm reaching for my bow. My right hands to get ready to pull me up to do a weak side shot because I had maybe a little bit, but he was coming quick. And as soon as I was getting ready to do that, he hit, he came underneath away from the cover basically. So there was a gap there Mm -hmm. and he just must have hit ground scent or something and just went boom and looked straight up at me. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. And he immediately turned, got the hell out of there super, super quick. And i was like well all right that that hunts uh, over pretty much and a couple yeah. sat it out for the rest of the night and he uh, nothing came back through so that was my, my first hunt, like last hunt basically in maryland and then we didn't open for a couple of weeks here in pennsylvania the 30th did not get a chance to go out opening day went out that monday sat killed a doe that night got out then this past saturday uh with you know that cold front that was coming in which i know we'll, we'll dive into and Went to an area that I scouted this past spring where there were a couple scrapes. Haven't been in there really since then. And read the script. It was a group of does came in through came in uh, at a little bit after the rain. The scrapes in that area really weren't fresh at all. They weren't messed up or, or anything. But there was fresh scat and a lot of acorns still dropping. So I still sat just to wait and see. And a group of doe came and shot the biggest one and watched her fall. So two for two here in, in PA.
0: On both on does.
1: Both on those. Yep.
0: Okay. I want to I want to go back to your Maryland hunt when you got busted. Yeah. Um, what would you have done better or different uh to prevent that from happening happening again? Man, that
1: would that's a great question because during that time frame I was as high as I could possibly be without causing any uh shot opportunities to Mm -hmm. to, you know what i mean just because of the foliage at that point in time it's early september still so i think man honestly if if i could do it again i probably would have moved my my whole body to the left a little bit more so i would have been kind of to my strong side still would have been that real thick stuff but then more so in front of me would have been that area that I kicked that dough out from and where he came from. So I would have had a more it would have been more in my peripheral vision compared yep. to being directly to my to my side, if that makes sense. Yep, it does.
0: Okay. And then any different access route or or tree in that area to prevent him from yep. like being busting you.
1: Yeah. So there was a real small faint trail that you walked in on. And that was fine. Mm-hmm. That that was totally okay to my left walking in would have been going up towards those that field. Like I said, and there were some really good trees I think I could have gotten into, but the way the wind was going, I wasn't, it would have been, I think a little bit difficult to hunt a little, that at that spot. I think Uh just the way the wind was swirling them towards the end of that night. I don't know. it. If I would have done that again, I probably would have still picked the same tree, just altered my, my position Mm -hmm. because originally i was thinking of being on that opposite side of that trail to shoot directly at that scrape and then and but then once i saw that other trail coming to it from that other thick little sapling area and all that and the way it converged to that scrape i was like man i could kill him as soon as he steps out of this basically yeah and that's why i did that so yeah in hindsight i think i would have now you know what i mean
0: but yeah are you heading back to maryland at all i would like to i'm
1: hoping maybe later down. i know they have a later season kind of gun season and and uh yeah. muzzleloader season and you know it's it, i think our season here in pennsylvania it has will be concluded at that point in time yeah and it a lot of, you know extends the hunting season a little bit
0: as well okay awesome man well hopefully you connect on uh you you sent me a trail cam picture. Yep. I don't know if I'm supposed to share that. Oh, yeah, you sent again. me you sent me a trail camera picture of a real juicy buck that <laughs> that would man, I'd shoot him. Dude, he's yeah. uh dude, he's a great deer. Yeah. Uh, and hope, dude, I hope you connect with him, man.
1: Yeah, it's been a couple years in the making chasing his deer. He's been driving me and my dad crazy. He's a he's a good one. And uh, you know, he's that's the hard part about hunting that that piece of property because there's not a lot of pressure number one and number two there's no like specific food destination source you know you asked me is yeah. there any any terrain feature that really sticks out i mean i mean if i were to say man there's there's a hemlock patch like boom that's as as, as crazy as it gets so i mean I, it's it's fun and i'm don't get me wrong you, people might think i'm crazy you might even think i'm crazy but i told some other friends I have yet personally seen him hunting. I've seen him at the end of a night driving mm-hmm. out of, uh, out of our, our area. He crossed the road. My dad's seen him hunting h- hunting him uh, twice. missed Ga- actually gave him a belly haircut a couple of years ago. But my as far as myself goes, Dan, I think if a really good, mature mountain buck MPA here puts on a show for me and it makes me reach for that bow... I'm going to take that shot opportunity and not yeah. kind of hold, hold out on that one specific buck because yeah. man, i like I told you, I've had them now on almost every single camera and it's like, how do you hunt it? Because there's no, yeah. as of right now, there's nothing as far as data that's screaming out to me like that. He's doing this on that time and yeah. that win X, Y, and Z.
0: Yeah. Makes sense. All right. right so here's, here's what I want to uh, ask. And that is, what needs to go right in your opinion for you or your dad to connect with this deer so i i don't want to say
1: i to rely on any form of trail camera information but because he is an older deer i would like to see at least some type of confirmation he's getting closer to daylight movement mm-hmm. so in the year the past three years of hunting this this specific deer dan he hasn't usually been up or have has been seen on camera until october 19th 20th range it's so like yeah. we wait all year basically to until that time frame of like is he alive is he going to show up and like i said this past friday night when he popped on i was like okay got the confirmation it's a al- lot he's alive it's 8 15 he happened to to go on camera this past last night at eight o'clock so now this week i'm looking at it Okay, if he starts getting closer and closer to daylight I might be able to as long as it's a a north uh, wind or a northeast wind or a northwest wind any any type of north wind I could make a play on him in in a spot it just depends on again where I would feel like would be my best odds of possibly seeing him
0: yeah well good luck man hopefully you connect with him and hopefully he starts giving you a little bit more I mean, I had a conversation with a guy the other day about Mm -hmm. um, how he felt he had almost like a trail camera fatigue or a um, some kind of fatigue from relying on trail cameras too much. But I, I think in your scenario, it's a little bit different, man. You you're getting pictures of them and it seems like you're getting pictures of them on some sort of consistent basis. It's just the fact that he's not kernel right now right, on right. all your farms. Do you think that this particular buck is uh, betting on the property that you have access to?
1: Yeah, I think he's hundred percent betting on this mountain. And and with that, I think he again, as far as like a food destination, I don't know where he's going. You know, like I said, in in both pictures, he's he's going in two opposite directions. Like he's coming mm-hmm. from uh, from the west to the east and in in last night's photo from friday night he's coming from the north to to the south up top like Mm -hmm. it's just it's just crazy and again both were north winds
0: yeah okay all right um this cold front man (laughs) that came through i kind of i'll be completely honest it made me a little bit crazy it made me go crazy and so man 16 years. Okay. It's, it's yeah. 16 and 17, something like that. So here's, here's what I'll say is I've, I hunted before 2006, mm-hmm. but I did not hunt seriously. Right. I didn't take, I didn't know anything about wind direction. I didn't take into consideration access routes, anything like that. So I was a completely different person then that I am now. So since 2006, since I started running trail cameras, since, uh, you know, I had, several seasons in there where I was single um, A couple of those seasons I was unemployed and so I was in the woods heavy and hard for a very you know for a lot of days in, in the stand. And in this time frame, my experience ha- in uh, of being in the timber and not only being in the timber but the trail camera data that I've collected through all of these years, if I was to say, based off of that data alone, my, my experiences and trail camera data does cold front in, do cold fronts impact daylight activity? I would tell you, or, and let's even expand that to mature deer, because ultimately that's what all the content that we put out is about. That's what, um, you know, all of the. Uh, that's the only thing people care about really. It's like, no, one's going to read an article, uh, called how to shoot a doe in October, early (laughs) October, right? right. Just like people know you can go and do that, but it's the big dogs that we're all interested in. And so if I was to take all of this information and put it together and bring an output of that, you know, bring a conclusion to this information, it would show me that early season cold fronts have very little impact on deer movement, especially daylight deer movement. Now, there there has to be an asterisk at, at the end of that statement because I don't have food plots. I don't have highly managed farms. I don't have Uh, you know, there, there, it's a, it's a working farm. There's people coming in and out of it, you know, so there's all these other things that are happening to where when somebody else says, dude, early season, cold fronts can be some of the most killer situations for a a hunter. I, I I've never seen it. I have yet to see it now. I made, I made a statement on Instagram about this and i said hey man i am not a fan and i said based off everything i just said i said hey man i'm just not a fan of early season cold fronts um i've never had any type of success uh early on early season cold fronts the big dogs have like very rarely show up and to be honest uh, on the farms that i hunt a daylight buck in the you know in the early time frame is very rare uh-huh. uh, and it, usually it means they probably got bumped somewhere or they got spooked or maybe they were you know combine came by and a little too close and they said okay well i'm out of here or whatever whatever the case may be and so it's more luck i say that and the same day that i posted that my number one target buck shows up on trail camera at 5 30 okay it is in an area that i it would have been hard to get a tree stand in there because it's a it's a it's a draw that runs from northwest to southeast i would have ne- I, I needed to be in that area somewhere um he was probably heading towards an egg field or there's a couple acorn trees down on the point of this ridge and i would have had to have been in there somewhere to where. Um, he didn't cross my scent cone, right? Cause if he, if he was on the same Ridge, it probably wouldn't have mattered. But I think what happened was he's betting across the Ridge, dropping down into it, coming back up the opposite side and then working his way down towards the field. Anyway, this is a long, this is that asterisk that I was talking about. And so it would have, I wouldn't have hunted in that area anyway, just because the wind was wrong. Right. Um, and so I kind of ate my words on everything I said about, you know, like, okay, well, he did show up, but here's what I'll say on my other farm, not one mature buck, not even, even doe movement was minimal, uh, in this, this weekend, uh, this, you know, this weekend, which brings up two questions. One, why don't you talk to me a little bit about your experience with early season cold fronts? And then I'll, and then I'll ask the the second one.
1: Right. That's a great topic and a great great question dan and i've the last couple of years i've really from doing the podcast same thing like you grew up hunting with my dad really no rhyme or reason why you hunt a specific spot right you just go because that's where history told you you've had success yep. hunting there and i would say the last six seven years is when things have each year something gets you know in the in the toolbox i learn and grow and get and get better with the cold front side of things early on i've seen a a uh, history where the same thing you just said i don't yeah. really get to i think the idea gets me fascinated and gets me giddy and excited because oh man it's finally going to get cold but same thing uh, i was sharing messages with some of my good friends over the weekend a couple of them would see a six pointer a couple of them would see some does and all that type of stuff but again what you're talking about is those m- mature bucks whether it's a hundred inch 110 inch PA mountain buckle or whatever, or going to 150 inch, you know, buck in, in, in Iowa, there wasn't that. And it hasn't yeah. been that for me. And one of the things that I really love Steve Shirk's uh, philosophy with things, I've learned a lot from Steve Shirk out of here in Pennsylvania. And he's, I mean, he runs over 150 cameras and, you know, it's a different area in Pennsylvania from where I am. He's more Northwest. I'm central Northeast where I mainly hunt. And, you know, the pressure is a little bit different. The amount of deer is, is different. And he, he loves weather's his number one, number one indicator of when to go hunt. And Mm -hmm. like you said, you might have an outlier and that's okay. But as far as me to get super excited, what I've noticed the last couple of years, I would take off a day from teaching because, oh my gosh, it's, it's dropping 30 degrees. I wouldn't see anything. I, I might see a doe. Or it's it's last light, and by the time I'm climbing down and walking through with my headlamp, oh, there goes a deer, finally up out of his bed, or whatever it be. And mm-hmm. I've never had the uh, what I see later on in the month when a cold front kicks in, and and maybe yeah. that what's going on in a deer's uh, change of uh, of you know what's going through to his changes
0: basically is what yeah. makes that 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 uptick. So that kind of leads me to the question: Does the property type? influence the deer movement on a cold front i think it could i, yeah. I think
1: it i think it's definitely uh, uh an area specific you know and and depending on where you're at again going off of what what i just said about steve i mean he's hunting kind of the same terrain features but j- different deer yeah. density different pressure all that type of stuff and you know like last night a good friend of mine tom runs Scavage. he's he's a straight killer just came home from hunting colorado for elk and you know it was like his heartbreak colorado (laughs) trip i don't mean to call you out there tom with that one but uh i can't wait to hear more stories about it but he he's after a couple good deer here in pa and um you know he he had a cool encounter and it was towards last light and he wasn't really expecting that to happen and and you know nothing no shot opportunity he just kind of saw and uh, you know, so they are moving, but it's not,
0: again, it's not like the, what could be later on in the month. Right. Okay. And so I'm, I'm not going to say that because I don't, I don't want to misplace that. Maybe, maybe, you know, this, um, I used to know it, but I, I feel like I've lost, I I've lost the, the, the straight fact here, but I feel like, there's like, I think the the deer studies that have been done over the years indicate total length of travel, mm-hmm. right? So every day in October, there's there's just a little bit more travel that's done, a little bit more travel, you know, looking scrapes, you know, up until peak breeding when a deer is covering the most ground, a, a, right. a, a collared deer, a buck or whatever. So things like moon phase don't impact that things like weather patterns don't impact that all right but what it can impact and i think this is where a lot of people get confused is mm-hmm. daylight movement mm-hmm. right so what you're saying is not total movement like a deer's not going to if it's consistently on a mile it's not going to move a mile and a half because a cold front came through it might get up early and go to feed that's what that's what some people say right. um you know that that's that's daylight movement is what everybody's trying to uh to figure right. out here and so with that said then like when somebody has i don't know this is where i get frustrated is because you have the big names going dude you got to get in there you got to have this cold front you got to but guess what else you got to have in order to make success on this work, unpressured property, mm-hmm. right? I bet so. And the reason I say that is because you ask the public land guys who go out there yep. every single year and do that. And if you're going to compare what they see on a cold front to a highly pressured, non managed piece of property, I bet you they tell you that they see um, minimal deer uptick. And that's a guess. Yep. A uh, minimal deer uptick on private or on public ground, as opposed to the people who are literally, their whole property is set up for white tails. Right. And yeah. so obviously, like, I, I, I feel like obviously they're going to see more deer movement Correct. Uh, in those scenarios. And so I just get, I, I get really frustrated when someone goes, um, Hey, you know, you're wrong. You know, your, your ideology is wrong. Well, it's not wrong. It's right on my properties that I hunt, and it could even be right on the properties that you hunt, but everybody is taking what these other people are saying like scripture, right? And they're Mm -hmm. saying, this is truth. This has got to be true when in no way, shape or form, do they hunt or have the same environment that you do right? or that I do. Right.
1: I I could even build on that and talking about like coal fronts Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. I get more giddy about, like, it sucks that for me right now, looking at the the wet weekend ahead, mm. the weather's telling me Saturday is an all-day pour, just pouring all, yes. all day, which kind of yes. sucks. But I'll tell you what, Friday looks good. That's yep. what I get more. I would rather hunt that with the storm coming, you know, just maybe looking at the pressure and all that type of stuff. And guess what? Who's going to be out there Friday? Not a lot of yeah. people. Right. Like I just told you about, I just told you about my buddy, Tom hunting. That was a Monday night. Who's going, you know what I mean? Like, I know there's some guys that go out after work and all that type of stuff, Mm -hmm. but you know what I mean? There's things like that, that, you know, oh my God. Excellent point. Yep. You know, the cold front's coming, the cold front's coming. Everybody sees that online. Guess what? Everybody's doing Saturday. They're going out hunting.
0: Right. So, right. And that's, and that is my next question is, is this, cold front this past cold front it landed perfectly on a weekend right Mm -hmm. a a friday saturday sunday and and now in the midwest um it's just a straight cold spell i mean we're we're looking at highs to the like the mid 50s 60s it's going to gradually get a little warmer uh this weekend but then that rain's going to come through another cold front's going to be pushing down after this rain and so is it the fact that this cold front landed on a weekend that made it so popular because if you're asking me as a serious hunter depending on let's say i work eight to five or even i even work seven to three i'm a first shifter or i'm a second shifter and i'm working three to midnight or whatever you know whatever Mm -hmm. those hours are am i taking time off of work out of my three, you know, like I'm, I'm going to use PTO to go and hunt this cold front, as opposed to saving that PTO for that late October rut timeframe, and and so that's how I've made my decision in the past. Is like, mm, right? I don't think I'm going to waste that day unless and this. There's always an asterisk with everything that I say, unless I have data. Correct. Unless I have a trail, like let's say I, I went out. And I check my trail cameras a couple days before that boom, Bucked. I can pattern him. I have him on three trail cameras and I know this, the circle that he's running and I'm going to put myself in a position there, but if he's still nocturnal, then there's no point. There's no point for me to go in there. And so I guess that, do you, do you feel that this, this cold front would have been less talked about and less hyped up if it landed on a, on a Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, yeah, I do. And, and I do, you're, you're pulling on my
1: heartstrings here because I would have, I was that individual that, oh man, this cold front's coming in and I might have, I would have gotten like, say a good buck on camera, not mm-hmm. the one that, that I share with you, but a good one. I'd be like, oh, he's close. I I'm, you know what? These next couple of days, that cold front's coming in PTO boom. Mm-hmm. And I would yep. see goose egg, right? Yep. Like I, and I I'm like, okay, I did that maybe for two years. And then finally. I, I, don't know. I just got more wise and I know yeah. when things really heat up and again, the asterisk, what you just said, Dan, if I get this specific buck for, an, I, you know, we record this on a Tuesday, tonight, Wednesday, or a Thursday, and that rain's coming in on a Saturday and it gets earlier and earlier and earlier, earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There could be a play in it, but if yeah. I don't get that, I'm not, I'm not taking time because I know right. when, when it will get really good, uh, just because of the history.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And this is coming from someone I can hunt whenever I want. Right. If I, I can hunt on a Tuesday night if I wanted to. And so, you know, this, this last weekend, it fell on a really busy weekend for the family Uh, soccer game, uh, three softball games and a baseball game all on Saturday. I could have went out. I could have done it. I could have made it out on Friday night when that uh, front hit. And I'm, I just made the decision not to, right? right? right. Because I would, because I know that, uh, this upcoming week is the last baseball game of the season, last soccer game of the season. And then, uh, I have one more week. And then I think on October 23rd, I leave for South Dakota. So from the 23rd to the 30th, so that's like a seven day window there. I am going to. Uh, be in South Dakota and then I'm going right into the rut this year and so there's going to be three weeks there where I am balls to the wall hunting I'm going to hunt probably every day other than travel days and I'm going to try to go out and get the job done um, in in that time frame so I'm stacking a lot into a a, you know three weeks sounds like a lot but in the course of a year or an entire season it's I mean it's it's really minimal and so and so i don't from a brownie point standpoint i don't want to burn any bridges too early right this year i had i didn't take any september hunts i haven't taken a, any hunts at all this year october 23rd it's game time all the way until i shoot my iowa buck and if i shoot it early enough then i'm going to go to another over-the-counter state and try to get the job done there as well so um it felt like a, a lot of it has to do with stacking the chips in my favor and i feel that statistically if that cold front came through on let's just say october 23rd 4th or 5th i'm gonna I, i'm taking advantage of that because i i know that when you have deer movement starting to pick up running at or like scraping yep. sign making all starts to pick up at later october you add the cold front on top of that now you have two things that are going well for you and so the crops coming out Deer piling into the woods especially where i live right so i i um i've noticed that as the more they start start to combine the surrounding farms and the farm that i hunt the more deer i am seeing on trail cameras which means they're coming out of the little nooks and crannies and they're getting pushed into the timber heck yeah yeah so um is there any is there anything else that we need to take into consideration when talking about these early early season cold fronts?
1: Yeah, you know, I just think the main thing is you're only you as the person listening mm-hmm. could really decipher what you what you really I think could really take in. Like I like I, like again, I know the area that I put a lot of time and effort into preseason scouting, developing game plans. I know those early season coal fronts really don't do much because i know what you just said when the pre-rut starts hitting and and deer are really on their feet kind of pre-rut doing checking scrapes doing all that stuff and you factor in that other piece of the recipe of a cold front that's when i yeah that's when i will get more giddy and i just know in, <clears> in early time like for myself i had friends here locally that were out this past saturday posting five five bucks on their feet but they were either not legal to shoot or they're they they were not what they were hoping to sh- you know what i mean or just barely yeah. legal well that's yeah. that's great and dandy that those guys are on their feet and you get a chance to see some deer in the woods it's always a great time but again if you're looking for a specific buck that's not what that is right and yeah. and you know like i said for me for for my hunt like i told you earlier i went in trying to find scrapes i knew where those scrapes were i checked them they weren't fresh i saw fresh scat i saw acorns okay it it turned into a doe mission for me right away i knew okay if a buck comes and it's uh it gets me going sure i'll take that shot but at that point in time you know so i think it just the last thing that like you said one more thing i just think only you could really decipher what it really means in your core area and what you're going over because again there were people shooting bucks you know and Mm -hmm. what did that cold front help for maybe probably because like you said maybe your property lines up to mm-hmm. that specific type of terrain and and for deer
0: yeah yeah I'll say this too um one of the biggest awakenings that I've had as a bow hunter especially when trying to approach uh, older age class deer bigger antler deer because um, usually usually mm-hmm. with age comes size uh, yep. antler size and so um one thing that i've realized is like man i'm not hunting i'm not just really hunting to hunt anymore it's all it's all thought out right Correct. like and i'm not looking to see deer i'm looking to see one deer that night and it's the deer i want to shoot if yeah. i see 50 is if i see 15 deer in a set cool i'm in an okay spot maybe or if if they're if i see them and they're out of shooting range it means nothing to me other than the enjoyment of watching deer in nature you know if those 15 deer were were within shooting range that's awesome man yeah that's awesome but my goal is to go out to locate a deer to put myself play chess with him put myself in the right position so that when he walks by he's within shooting range and i have a shot at him and that is what I, that that is the strategy that I try to apply um every season now. I'm trying to get within shooting range of a big mature white tail every hunt. Yeah. Every hunt. I
1: love that because that is probably the biggest growth personally mm-hmm. that that I've had where I used to, like you said, hunt just because of of the quantity number to, of times I could go out and hunt, right? Yeah. Whereas now I, I'm looking at it at a more calculated precise reason why i'm going a specific reason why i'm going and it you know okay yes it's worked out but again it at the same time i i'm not just throwing caution to the wind and just going just because I want to say I hunt and I hunted or whatever it is. And you know, that, that is a big thing. And you know what, I'm totally fine with it. I get it. Like you said, I'm, I'm building brownie points. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And you know, when, when my wife could sit there and go, Hey, why don't, why don't you go in and try to get that? And I could sit there and be like, Hey, thanks for that offer. But right now it's not looking like the best time I could go and kill this specific deer. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that's, that's great. So, you know, I don't know, man, I, I I'm with you on that because, If you want to get out and like you said every every hunter has their own type of style and and hunt that they want to do but for me personally that to me has been a biggest growth that i've seen from last year to to this year is like okay it's okay if i'm not going out every day of the week after work to try to hurry up and put pressure on my wife and take care of the daughter and all that type of stuff i'll i'll do that and well when the time comes i'm going to make the most of those sits and she's going to understand like hey listen i'm not coming home and yeah. I'm staying out because I need to scout a little bit more and, and put more pieces of the puzzle together. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, man. So I just wanted to you know, talk about these uh, this cold front, man. It's like, I really, I, the, the further you get into it, I think cold front, like cold fronts have a huge impact. I'm not saying that they don't early season. I think a lot of it has to do with the food scenario mm-hmm. and the pressure scenario and how a specific property, those two things add up on a specific property. Um, Outside of that, as the year progresses, as October progresses, I feel like cold fronts can play a bigger role in, I mean, everybody, a couple of comments that were made on the Instagram post that I made was, whether it does or does not impact deer movement, i feel comf- more comfortable in the woods hunting i'm not i don't have strep you know sweat dripping down my butt crack and so <laughs> and so that makes a, that makes a great point right i mean when you're comfortable in the tree you're probably going to be worrying less about how uncomfortable you are and more focused on going in a little deeper or making you know or, or going to the right tree as opposed to to maybe a convenient tree so maybe subconsciously it plays a role yeah yeah you start pushing that back to October, last week of October into the rut. I have seen uh, a hot last week of October into a uh, a cold front coming. I think the year I'm trying to think of what year it was, and it was early. It was it was a while ago, but I saw a a, a literal light switch turn on after a cold front came through the first week of October or uh, first week of uh, November. Yeah, where it was dead, 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 dead. Cold front came through and it was that was the switch. Trail cameras blew up, uh, sightings from the stand blew up, deer within shooting range blew up. And so it, it really kind of kicked off almost, it, it was almost like a kickoff for the rut. Yeah. um Or at least chasing is what, you know, the observed rut, uh, a lot of activity. So I, I think that, and then obviously late season too, right? Uh, late season has can be dead if it's warm. But you you get those you know if you can find any type of food and you have you have like negative twenties or the, just the worst possible weather deer are moving in on on whatever food source it is so deer are moving so another perfect time to take advantage of, of a cold front yeah
1: I agree I I think yeah. too what you said too about the food I think food is also um uh, I don't yeah. want to say it's uh, not regarded highly, but it's it's definitely a huge piece to, to that puzzle as well.
0: Yeah. And let's, let's say, for example, I want to throw this scenario in there. You don't have food plots. You don't have a managed property or something like that. Early, op, early, uh, October, depending on how much rain you've had, I mean, there's so many things you can, you can really talk about here, but it's still, it's still, there's still a lot of green stuff to eat in the woods, even in the woods, you know, there's, there's browse, there's acorns fallings. And so what can happen here? And I think this is where the lull starts to come into play here is people are like, the food sources are still available in the, they don't need to go to the, the corn starts to dry up. The soybeans are starting to dry up and they become less palatable. So what they want to find the freshest, highest protein, that's acorns and that's, um, you know, Woody brows and, and, Uh you know, leaves and stuff in the woods, whatever that may be. And so, and so the cold front could have impacted when he stood up out of his bed and started moving, but to, to what food source he could have just stood up and started eating right where he was at, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And so, or he's in the timber. And if you're a field edge hunter or you're a blind hunter and you don't see anything, well, then it's a, then, then, then the cold front sucks. Right. But if you're on a food, on a, food, a green food source, let's say like a planted clover plot in a, in a blind and all of a sudden deer start piling out, well, then it, then, then it's great. Then it then it's, you know, everything that you see happen in that scenario is scripture. And so there's so many, there's so many different scenarios that you can run through. And I think, uh, as long as you pay attention to what's going on in your properties, then that's really all that matters hundred percent Yep. Yep. Do you have food on the properties that you hunt? I mean a planted food plots or anything? Nope. Zero. No. Okay. Yeah. All right.
1: That's why that's why hunting Maryland was so weird for me because you know, there's corn and, and all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, what in the heck do I do here? Like it, it's a whole different learning curve for me. And that's why the second piece of property that that we went to basically helped me because it set up more like pa it had had a little bit more of, of the ridge system to it off of off of like i said that cut alfalfa and all that type of stuff so it was it it i felt more confident if that makes sense like that first night month or friday morning uh friday evening and saturday morning when i was out hunting i was felt like chasing my tail i mean i heard though i or saw some deer and all that stuff not not shoot not in shooting range but yeah. Once, once I got into my, my bread and butter, I guess you could say, obviously I had a really great encounter. I just
0: didn't, yeah. didn't work out. Yeah. Here's one thing that I want to do. I want the, the October lull here. I'll just, I'll start it here. The October lull, right? Everybody's like, oh dude, Like I just don't believe in it personally. Correct. Right? I, I, I've seen nothing but an uptick as, as everything as progresses. Up, yeah.
1: As October goes on, I as see I, an uptick.
0: Yeah. yeah. Nothing but uh, upward trend in deer movement, okay? Sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes it can be major. But when it comes to the the lull, man, I really want to prove people wrong, right? So it's like, oh, we're going to stack all our chips on a cold front that comes through, uh, uh, you know, October 1. But when the this, this period of time that deer are supposed to stop moving, like they're moving. Mm-hmm. What what happens if a cold front hits during the October lull? Then, or or what what trumps what? Does the cold front trump, and you're going to hunt, or does the fact that it's in this pretend time frame, right, right, going to yeah. make it? So my goal someday is to, and it probably won't happen until my kids start to drive and they can chauffeur themselves to practices and things like that. I want to kill a deer between. What do you, what, what would you say the, the dates of the October law are? I think we're almost approaching it this weekend, right?
1: We? You know, it would be like this weekend until that 18th, 20th range. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. You, so
0: like the 10th to the 18th or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Okay. So then I want to kill a target animal in that time frame, And, um, and I, I, when my kids get older and they can start taking care of themselves more, I I'm going to go try and do it straight yeah. up. Like, yeah. I get so frustrated. Again, a lot of it has to do with scenarios. A lot of it has to do with pressure on properties and things like that. Um, you know, there, there are certain people out there that they live and die by this October lull. But I bet you if I hunted in their farm, on their farm, on their food plots, in, the, in their blinds, there would be no October lull. Right. The deer would still be moving out of the timber into their food plots or or moving around more than I experienced. So therefore, my my uh, perception is that, oh, my God, there's a ton of deer movement right right, on on these on these properties. And so I I really want to I really want to connect on a deer during the lull and just kind of be a cocky and yeah. be like one October, lol. They are yeah. like, <laughs> That's a- like that. So yeah. <laughs> have you ever, have you ever killed a deer in that time frame?"
1: A doe, no, no buck at yeah. that, that early as far as yeah. that goes, I've, I've had encounters, I've had daytime, yeah. I've had like one or two, uh, either one, one shot opportunity where I miss and another one where, um, uh, was
0: a great deer just out of range at that point in time. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And now here's another thing. We, uh, this time frame, yes, the cold front, this comes with a cold front, but we had our first frost this morning here oh. in Iowa. Okay. And so what's that mean? Leaves start to come off on a, on a higher rate. The next time, uh, the next time there's a huge frost and the wind picks up, man leaves are going to start dropping off trees at a higher rate that changes the environment acorns are going to start dropping at more of a rate just because of the frost expanding and contraction contraction of the the stems and you know that's that gets everything kind of moving and that could contribute to what some people would call the lull Uh and so man i uh this when I when I see a frost I get fired up I get really fired up and then when I see what's going to happen um this this cold front that we just had come through had a little bit uh, of rain but there's going to be a 48 36 uh, 36 to 48 to maybe even 72 hour rain event coming through the state of Iowa later this week up until Saturday And so my goal on Saturday, when I, when it's going to pass is to be in the woods. Once that rain stops, I've killed more percentage wise. I've killed more deer after a major rain event than I, than any other uh, situation or scenario that I've ever hunted.
1: I'm with you on that. I, I love a good rain after, after that, man, if you are in the tree when it's just starting to light, you know, let up, if you're in mm-hmm. there and you could, you could, you know, suffer through that, I guess you could say, man, yeah. you, you, and you know, you're in a good spot. You, something good can really happen.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I, I got to find, I got to get in there on the right wind. Hopefully I'm looking for a South southish wind uh, on, on Saturday, but whether, I'll find someplace, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll find someplace. And then I'm, my goal is to hunt Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and then come back home for the week. But the, the next two weekends, I feel like I should, I should mm-hmm. cross my fingers. I should be able to get into the timber and, uh, you know, start moving, moving around a little bit. I like it. What are the, what are the next couple of weeks look like for you? So this, this
1: upcoming weekend, like I said, there's a good bit of rain coming. I'm ho- as I'm As of now i think there might be a break in the morning uh we'll we'll see what that kind of has in store but the next two following weekends like that 22nd and and obviously towards the end of of october originally the 22nd i had planned to to get to ohio um so originally you know maybe see what uh see what happens as far as that goes and and what weather and and wind and like you said, kind of like what hunting hunting opportunities could really map out for me because i'll either be in ohio or i'll be in pa and kind of go from there and hopefully like i said this this buck that, that i've been chasing the last couple years it'll dictate a little bit as, as far as uh as that goes too a little bit
0: yeah well, man, good luck the rest of the season, man. Hopefully, it all to you. Uh, hopefully it all connects for you this year, and, and you get the opportunity to, uh, uh, you know, connect on a connect on a I don't know a PA giant and an Ohio <laughs> giant yeah. or whatever whatever state that you're in, and and uh, thanks for taking time out of your day to uh, uh, hop on the podcast and, and chat with me today, man. I really appreciate it.
1: Dan, it's always a pleasure. And I greatly appreciate everything that you do for us as far as the Empire goes. And man, it's truly, truly something that I I never thought that I'd be able to do and, and, and speak on that just real briefly is you know, I'm very honored and, and very appreciative of what you do and, and the other podcasts on, on the network mm-hmm. as well, the support, the system. It's just it's just phenomenal. And and I want to just say thanks to to all the guests that have come on the Antler Up podcast and mm-hmm. get a chance to learn and grow as, as a human, as a hunter. And uh, I'm really looking forward to what the future has in store for not only Antler Up, but also for Sportsman's Empire. And I'm, I'm very thankful for you and, and the network, man. Thank
0: you. Yeah, I appreciate that. And uh, man, I'll tell you what, we have one... Awesome group of guys we do on the network. I mean, uh just and the community that we've really built around all of these podcasts is is quite amazing as well. And I'm looking to grow it, man, and and just grow that community. And uh like I, I always say this and it's and it's a little bit of a business talk, but it's also true talk. I mean, I feel like the content that comes out of the uh the sportsman's empire is is second to nobody. Mm-hmm. second to none we have so much good content so much good relatable content yeah, exactly. come out of the uh come out of the network and I feel like there's so many people that are, are can benefit or are benefiting from that yeah agree yep hey go kill a giant this year man you too Dan and there you have it ladies and gentlemen another episode in the books huge shout out to Jeremy huge shout out to all of you huge shout out to full sneak gear tethered wasp vortex code blue woodman's pal and huntworth please go and support the companies that uh, support this podcast and uh, man good vibes in good vibes out if you're gonna be in a tree wear your damn safety harness we'll talk to you next time